Welcome to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Cold open. No intro music this week because we are recording. I shouldn't say we. I should say I, so far, am recording from my own home. We are not at the Rum Dum Studios in Chris's basement this week. He is on vacation in some faraway land, uh, probably Bermuda, probably Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head, uh, one of the places that every single person goes to. Saudi Arabia. Um, thank you for the uh, <laughs> thank you for the uh, input to uh, our special guest producer Joe, who uh, might be making an appearance in the shot <laughs> later. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. That was a, we had a really funny thing going on uh, before this, but anyway. <laughs> so we are uh we're we're gonna shoot for it i'm gonna do it by myself it's not gonna be very good if anybody joins on though i appreciate it um and we'll get going and chris may be calling in shortly and he may just be vacationing instead and either way is totally fine first of all i'd like to start off with uh getting some couple things done really quick ohio mosquito control at Ohio Mosquito Control, they offer quality services to the Cincinnati area at reasonable prices. It is a family-owned and operated business professional mosquito control service that is just a phone call away. Ohio Mosquito Control will come take care of your yard. Uh, get rid of the mosquitoes. You don't have to. We can go out, have your fires in the evening. Everybody knows who listens to this program, knows how big a fan I am of that. Uh, you go out and you, and you, you sit around a fire. You have, I don't know, maybe a drink of uh, raspberry juice. Uh, maybe you like pineapple juice. Maybe you like a soda of some sort. And uh, maybe you just like a water. Maybe you like an H2, but you you keep the, you leave the oxygen out. Maybe it's just two bits of hydrogen. I called them bits. I know that's not right. But uh, some people just drink their water with just bits of hydrogen and no oxygen. And uh, it burns very uh, burns really well. Anyway, Ohio Mosquito Control. Uh, you can book online, ohio-mc.com. Jump on there. Just read about what they, what all the services they offer. Everything. They're environmentally friendly. Uh, they're gonna make sure your dog doesn't die. Uh, and they're even bee friendly. The honeybee. They uh, they take into consideration when they are. Uh, getting rid of the mosquitoes from your home. Aside from that, training personally with Peggy Edwards. No matter your level of fitness, beginner, intermediate, advanced, if you like to be challenged a little or a lot and want the benefit of working with a personal trainer, but you don't want to pay for a personal trainer, very expensive, training personally with Peggy Edwards is the gym for you. Training personally is interval circuit training for all levels with a personal trainer at your pace on your time, Peggy Edwards keeps your workouts safe, fresh, fun. Find uh, Peggy Edwards training personally with Peggy Edwards on Facebook and also at trainingpersonally.com. Now, we are, as usual, on Facebook Live currently. This will also be available uh, Thursday morning, likely, depending on uh, whether I can figure all that out. Uh, because Chris is the brains behind this operation and he normally gets it all posted. Um, so it may be Thursday morning. It may be Thursday later in the day, Friday morning, something like that. 
This will be available, though, on all of the regular uh, platforms, almost any place you find and listen to podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, everywhere you can imagine. Find a place that offers podcasts and it'll be on there most likely. Uh, so check us out every week. We record on Wednesday evening um, and off we go. First of all, I'd like to address uh, in baseball. All right, we'll just we'll just start off in baseball. The story on Monday, I believe it was. The New York Mets, who have been a dumpster fire for a long time, they've had a few seasons here and there where they had good teams. Uh, I think the last time they were in the World Series was like 2000, 2001, whatever the Subway Series was. And uh, Roger Clemens threw a broken bat at Mike Piazza, sort of, and they sort of got into it a little bit. Anyhow, the Mets have been mostly bad. Not just the product on the field, but from an organizational standpoint, front office has been sort of a mess. Um, and the story uh, that came out a couple of days ago was that the Mets front office was making in-game decisions, especially as far as the pitching staff goes. Um, now, we have heard a little bit about front office staff uh, because of the whole the data analysis being the driving force behind so many decisions, the way sports, especially in baseball, are being managed, uh, are being scouted, are being played. I, I mean, guys are changing the way they play, the way they, the way their approach at the plate. Everything's changing very rapidly before our eyes um, in baseball because of the data that's available now and the way people are using it. This has been, uh, so starting lineups, like the, the batting order, is what you hear the most about. That That's coming from above in some cases. Uh, that's coming from the front office, and the manager, you know, kind of has to go with that. Probably has some input, but ultimately the, uh, the decisions in some cases are being made uh, by the front office of some of these baseball teams. Now, the New York Mets... Um, have made pitching decisions, decisions about making pitching changes in games. At least that was the report. Um, it, it, it sounded a lot worse when I first heard about it. It then came out about, you know, mostly it was an incident for uh, when Jacob deGrom, uh, June 1st, was experiencing some, uh, some hip discomfort. Uh, during a game, word got up to the front office and they sent word back down through the clubhouse and into the dugout that uh, they wanted DeGrom pulled from the game. So it it, it, it happened. They pulled him. <laughs> um, and then I, it really it took a couple of weeks for this story to come out. But now we know that that happened. DeGrom was pulled because the front office said, get him out of there. At first thought, I, I feel like <laughs> for the front office making in-game decisions for the managers feels wrong. It feels, it feels 
dirty to me for some reason. It just doesn't feel right. In a specific case like this, I, I understand it at least. I don't know if I love it still, but I, I understand it. This is your best player, your best pitcher, your highest money maker in the you know the, the highest uh payroll deduction from uh from your team and you want to keep him healthy i mean we see this in sports all the time uh, front offices teams don't want their players doing anything that could possibly you know injure them and keep them out for an extended period of time except if you're the Golden State Warriors, obviously, um, then you're then you're fine. Uh, but in this case, it, it, I understand. I understand that the Mets wanted to pull DeGrom. I don't know if they would have made that same decision with anybody else, to be honest with you. That's why I'm a little bit more okay with it, to be honest with you. But um, it, it, if it's just this, I'm okay. If they are sending down word that they want pitchers pulled because because they don't like the situation they're in, they don't like the, the matchup that's coming up, um, then I think that becomes a problem. Then I think you really take any power that the manager has to make decisions, you take that away from them, and you really kind of pull the rug out from under them. If I'm a manager and I'm getting word from upstairs that, you know, the guy on the mound right now, they don't like him in this situation. They, they feel like the next three batters are, uh, are, you know, have a better matchup against our pitcher than, than I do. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, why am I here? If I'm not allowed to make up the lineup, if I'm not allowed to decide when uh, I, I, how I handle my pitching staff, why am I here? Um, so anyway, it's just, a, I feel like it can be a slippery slope. Like I said, I, I understand it a little bit in the DeGrom situation. He was feeling some, he had a hip cramp, um, probably, uh, from hip dysplasia. Uh, I don't think it was really that. I just like saying hip dysplasia. I think it's a funny reference to, uh, any injury. If you are feeling some sort of ailment, just call it hip dysplasia. And I think that's funny. Um, Anyhow, I don't want to drag this on, but um, we, I, I think we have to keep an eye on it because we do know, like I said for sure, that there are front office, there are front offices, general managers that are making decisions about lineups uh, based on statistical analysis. Um, I don't know why. I don't understand why they would be making those decisions rather than providing the information to the manager and letting him make a decision. Or even if you provide the information along with your suggestion, but leaving, uh, leaving the power to the manager to ultimately make that decision about your, about how you're going to set your lineup up, lineup up or, uh, and, or how you handle your pitching staff. I mean, the managers have this information. They do. Um, and it, it, it should be up to them. If you're going to take that power away from the manager, maybe just have a coaching staff for player development and make all the decisions from, 
you know, you can have, I guess, a, a, a representative in the dugout, but you can even call him a manager, I guess. But at that point, you're just you're not a man. You're not managing. You aren't managing the team. So you are the um, you are the representative. Maybe you're just a representative instead of a manager uh, of the of the organization. And, and that's they make decisions through you so that you make the decision on the field. But ultimately, the decisions are coming from upstairs. Very strange time. Very strange time in baseball right now. Um, we, you know, I mentioned that the game is being played completely differently over the last couple of years, especially. And this year is no exception. Through the first half of the season, there are home run records are on pace to be annihilated. Um, right now, the Minnesota Twins have hit, uh, actually going into yesterday's games, I believe, into Tuesday's games, the Minnesota Twins have hit 147 home runs, which is a pace of 309. The all-time record for uh, home runs by a team in a season is 267, which was set last season by the Yankees. But that is, uh, that's a, that's a, what, 42, uh, 52 home run difference in one year. The whole thing with exit velocity, launch angle, players really are, and entire organizations are really adopting that full speed, you know, all in on those philosophies. And along with it has, has come more strikeouts more home runs, and there's really, I mean, a strikeout, a home run, and a walk, those are like the three main results of at-bats now. Um, far fewer base hits are being hit. Um, you know, it's it's more, probably more about slugging percentage than on-base percentage suddenly. It's, I, I would say on-base percentage isn't out. Um, that's still because, you know, for the last 10 years, that was the biggest thing, I think. Uh, Joey Votto certainly turned himself into a specific player based on that, and so have a lot of other guys. Um, but now you have guys like Joey Gallo, um, several guys. There, there are you know Hunter Renfro, Jorge Soler, uh, Marte, Josh Bell, Max Kepler, Derek Dietrich, Daniel Vogelbach. All these guys are. Uh, Christian Yelich, Pete Alonso. These guys, Cody Bellinger are on pace for 40 or more home runs. Now you have, going into Monday's games, you have 22 players that had at least 19 home runs, which was a pace for 40. We're at the halfway point now. If 22 players hit 40 home runs at the end of this season, that would break the single season record of 17 from 1996. That was the, let's see, well, that wasn't quite the – so 98 was the Sosa-McGuire, so that was really one of those. 96, I want to say, might have been Brady Anderson, the Brady Anderson year where he hit, I think, 50, um, sandwiched between, uh, I don't know, like 11 and 17 or something like that. Um, that was really – those the 90s, that was kind of the start of the steroid era um, that we talked about for so long. Now it's more just the style, you know, now that there's testing and everything, the home runs are becoming a lot more prevalent because of the way uh, guys are approaching their at-bats. Uh, 
They're just, they're up there to hit home runs. Guys are going to the plate thinking, I'm going to hit a home run, and if I don't, whatever the the other result is, doesn't even really matter. I want to get on base. If if he's not going to pitch to me, I'll take a walk, but I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to swing up on it, and I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. I'm going to try to try to put the barrel on it, and I'm going to hit it. I'm going to try to hit it 350 feet. Now, also, additional home run records that are uh, on pace to possibly be broken. Pete Alonso of the New York Mets uh, is second in home runs in the major leagues right now to Christian Yelich. He has a chance to challenge Aaron Judge's rookie record of 52 home runs, which was just last year again. Um, and he, so he has, Pete Alonso has 27. Cody Bellinger holds the National League record for home runs by a rookie with 39. So he needs 12 more in a whole nother half of baseball to tie the National League record, uh, 13 more to, to beat it, and then um, he needs 25 more to, which obviously is on pace to, to break Aaron Judge's rookie record. Now, going to the other side. So, obviously, way more home runs are being given up because they're being hit. So, people are giving these home runs up. And we've also talked on this program a lot about how pitching staffs are being used today in today's game. They're being managed totally differently. The starter, uh, you know, most teams do not want their starters to go through the order three times. Um, so guys are getting pulled in the fifth and sixth inning, even when they're really rolling, uh, when they're pitching really well, because the data shows that in most cases, your third time through the batting order, you are much less successful as a pitcher against these hitters. Which means bullpens are being used a whole lot more. Now, the Nationals, the Washington Nationals, have a bullpen ERA of 629 right now. The Baltimore Orioles are at 634. No bullpen has finished, no modern bullpen, I should say, in the modern era, has finished with an ERA above six. We now have two that could, in the same year, finish with an ERA above six. Relievers relievers have a 450 ERA overall. Starters have a 444 ERA. The, that would be the first time, if, that, if it stays that way, it'll be the first time since 1969 that the bullpen ends up with a worse ERA than starting pitchers for just throughout all of baseball. That's certainly a result of the bullpen being used a lot more. Now, bull, the bullpens, relief pitchers are going to have to change the way they they train and the way that they, I think, the way they prepare themselves to to come into games and the way that they prepare their arms to be able to handle a heavier workload. You're just going to have to. I mean, most most teams have added an extra relief pitcher or two because of that reason. Um, but, you know, most, most bullpens are pitching at least a third of the game now. And that didn't used to be the case. 
So you're seeing a whole lot more bullpen. Bullpens are giving up a ton of these home runs. It, there's really not a huge, there's not a, you know, starters I think are still giving up more of the home runs, but relievers are giving up way more home runs than they ever did because they're pitching a whole lot more. It doesn't seem to matter right now whether the starters go in five innings, whether they're going nine innings, whether the bullpen's pitching two, three, six innings. Either way, home runs are way, way, way up. And because of the way uh, at-bats are being approached by the hitters, strikeouts are up too. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting kind of, kind of give and take, um, kind of, kind of just a give and take for you know, in in some cases you can look at strikeouts being way up and that looks like pitching's better now, but if you look at home runs given up, it looks like pitching's way worse. So it depends on how you look at it. Um, runs scored are really not that much higher um not even a run higher than it's been the last few years really uh so runs scored aren't being runs scored are not up that much higher um but home runs are way way up so that's an interesting interesting dynamic there moving on uh by the way again Shout out to uh, to Joe, guest producer. Um, he is uh, <laughs> making an appearance. You can see him if you're watching on Facebook Live. You see him back there. Um, he uh, he got stung by a bee in the uh, in the ear, and he's allergic to bees. So so his head has really blossomed. We'll call it. Uh, his head has blossomed. He, uh, it's not a good thing. It's, it's not a, yeah, he's ailing. I mean, you can tell, um, he had an allergic reaction to a bee sting and, um, what was already, look, we're going to be honest here, uh, was already a pretty good sized head is a, uh, is a little bigger now. It's a little bit bigger. So, <laughs> So th- thank you for uh, showing um, us your wedding ring. Oh, wrong hand, actually. Never mind. Um, <laughs> anyhow, the uh, I, I, I get so easily distracted. But uh, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe, for your help setting up tonight. Um, I'm doing it on my own. Like I said, Chris is on vacation. I hope he's having a good time. I miss him. Uh, but we are, uh, the show goes on, right? Right now, I'm going to try something here, and it's probably not going to be great for people listening, but <laughs> you only get about, uh, let's see, it's 28 hours to vote. We talked about this weeks ago, uh, voting for the Major League baseball all-stars is different this year you had the primary where you vote you just vote for who you want who you think at each position the top three vote getters from that have uh moved on to the starters election 
which is only only lasts for 28 hours, which is right now. It started at noon on Wednesday, and it goes until 4 o'clock p.m. on Thursday. That's Eastern time. So right now, as we speak, as we are recording, this is my first and only opportunity to vote for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in the starters election phase which will determine who the actual starters are. So we're going to go. I'm going to try to make this quick. It would have been a little better if uh, Chris and I went back and forth and each made our picks, but I'm going to try to go through this quick. I'm just going to tell you who I think of the three finalists at each position and nine, I believe it is, in the outfields, um, who I feel like is most deserving. Now, this is most deserving. This is with my head, not my heart, Okay. And which I which I feel very strongly that everybody should vote that way. Look, it's great if I work for the Cincinnati Reds or the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm going to put together these uh, these marketing campaigns to get our players voted for, to get them voted into the All Star Game. If I'm a fan, though, if I feel like I'm a responsible fan. I'm voting for, based on the numbers, who I feel is most deserving to start the All-Star game. So that is what, that is the premise, that's the idea behind how I'm making my decisions here. So, let's start in the American League. First base, CJ Crone, Carlos Santana, and Luke Voigt. I have a soft spot in my uh, heart for Luke Voigt uh, because he is on my fantasy baseball team. Again, I am choosing with my head, not my heart, though. So in that case, based on these numbers, I'm going with Carlos Santana. He's hitting 290. He's leading. He has uh, the most home runs of the three. He has the third most RBIs. It's 51 CJ Crone, 49 Luke Voigt, and 48 Carlos Santana. So he's only behind three RBIs, which is a gain, basically, uh, in some cases. But he uh, his OPS is 951, which is far and away better than those guys. So I feel like he's been he's had a more complete game at the plate this year, going Carlos Santana, American League first base. American League second base, Jose Altuve, Tommy LaStella, and DJ LeMahieu. I don't want to vote for Tommy LaStella because uh, the Angels are playing the Reds right now. Actually, they uh, already beat the Reds this evening and completed the two-game sweep of my Cincinnati Reds, our Cincinnati Reds. Among the fellas who are eligible here, though, I, I love Jose Altuve, but he lo- he missed a lot of time uh, to an injury. So he's pretty much out for me. So for me, it's between Tommy LaStella, DJ LeMayhew. And in this case, I'm going DJ LeMayhew pretty easily. He's hitting 336. LaStella's hit more home runs, uh, four more home runs, but LeMayhew has 10 more RBIs. He has 12 home runs, 54 RBIs, and a 906 OPS which is about 55 points high, 57 points actually higher uh, than LaStella. So I'm going DJ LeMahieu at second base in the American League. Third base in the American League, Alex Bregman, Hunter Dozier, and Gio Urshela. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Shame on me for not knowing. Alex Bregman seems like he would be the likely candidate here and it's tough because I'm still I still have a hard time with batting average. We've no, we've figured out over the last several years that batting average really isn't a great indication of your performance, your offensive performance. Um, but it still holds a, um, 
It still holds some weight for me. And based on that, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to vote for Alex Bregman because he's hitting 266. And I feel like if you're an all-star, you, if you're hitting 266, your other numbers, you better be driving in a ton of runs. And uh, lucky for Alex Bregman, he is. He's driving in 52 runs. He has driven in 52 runs so far. He's hit 22 home runs, which is a lot more in both categories than either of these other two guys. Uh, His OPS is 932. I'm going with Alex Bregman here. He also missed a little bit of time, I think, with an injury. Houston's Houston and, and uh, New York, the Yankees, have experienced so many injuries, uh, but they're still two of the best teams in baseball. Moving on to shortstop in the American League, you have Carlos Correa. Speaking of injuries, he's been out for a while um, for Houston. Jorge Polanco with the Twins having a monster year. Big part of why the Twins uh, have surprised a lot of people. Uh, and Glaber Torres. Uh hot hitter for the uh for the New York Yankees. This is tough. Um I'm going I, I think I'm going between Polanco and Torres. Both are um having just tremendous years. Glaber Torres has more home runs and more RBIs and driving in runs is the name of the game for me. But uh Jorge Polanco is hitting like 35 points higher, um, and he he is uh, his OPS is about 20 points higher. Not that much. He has eight less RBIs. I don't really care that much about home runs, to be honest with you. Even though I just talked about it for 20 minutes, I want to give this to Jorge Polanco. Um, I said I vote with my head, not my heart. That was a little heart there because I really have I've liked the Twins for a long time. They're one of those small market teams that keeps figuring out how to stay relative and stay good for the most part each year um, with a with one of the smaller payrolls in baseball. So I, I really really like teams like that. Moving on to catcher in the American League, uh, Robinson Robinson Chirinos probably mispronounced that. James McCann, Gary Sanchez again. Shame on me for the mispronunciation. Likely. Um, I can't do, I can't do Chirinos, um, catcher for Houston. Everybody in Houston hits apparently. Um, but he's hitting 230. I'm sorry. 230 is not good enough to, to make the all-star game for me. Um, he does have 39 RBIs, but Gary Sanchez is, this is a pretty easy pick here. He's hitting 266. James McCann, by the way, is hitting 328. That looks terrific. Gary Sanchez, though, um, has 15 more RBI, or sorry, 15 more home runs and 27 more RBIs. Um, RBI is what it really should be because it's runs batted in. It's not run runs batted ins. It's runs batted in. So from now, from, from this point forward, I will be referring to it correctly as RSBI. Gary Sanchez is my choice at catcher in the American League. This is difficult. The net, the uh, American League outfield. Now, you have nine guys that you have to choose from. For me, uh, I'm just gonna go quick. Mike Trout is up there. He has 22 home home runs and 56 RBIs. He is already considered the best player in baseball and already considered one of the best players ever in baseball. And he is on pace to have his best season by the end of this season. Mike Trout is in for me. I also have Eddie Rosario 
who is another big piece of why Minnesota is so good, has had such a great first half. Uh, Eddie Rosario, 20 home runs, 59 RBI for him, RBI for him, excuse me. And um, I think third, uh, uh, my third and final gentleman in the American League outfield that shall be representing the American League in the 2019. Okay, I'm going to pick... Give me, just give me Michael Brantley. Free agent signing in uh, Houston this year <clears throat> has really revitalized his career there. Hitting 318, 11 home runs, 43 RBI, RSBI, stop forgetting, um, 882 OPS. So, so Brantley, Rosario, and Trout are my outfielders in the American League. Designated hitter Nelson Cruz, J.D. Martinez, Hunter Pence. Nelson Cruz, another uh, good boy on my uh, fantasy baseball team. However, I, uh, I'm going with Hunter Pence and JD Martinez was my pick for American league MVP last year. He truly was the MVP. Congratulations to Mookie Betts who was voted by the, um, the, uh, misinformed, uh, writers. Uh, with apologies, of course, not Bo uh, Bobby Nightingale Jr., our good friend of the show here, beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds. I'm sure he, he has his head on straight. I'm sure he voted J.D. Martinez. Uh, we'll ask him next time. But um, Hunter Pence has been an incredible pickup for Texas. Now, the Rangers um, uh, did get Hunter Pence last year. 294 average, 15 home runs, 48 RBIs. Uh, leads RBIs leads the three guys that we talked about batting average leads those guys 962 OPS is terrific that also leads the three Hunter Pence is my guy uh there let's go to the National League and even faster now uh first base National League Josh Bell Freddie Freeman Anthony Rizzo man these guys are having great years Josh Bell has 66 RBIs at the halfway point um, sure, he'll get 132. Why not? Hitting 311, 20 homers, 66, uh, 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 1,013 OPS, a 1.013 OPS. Man, that alone should really get it. Freddie Freeman, this is another where my heart is trying to creep in here. I'm a big Freddie Freeman guy. I really love watching that guy play. He's a he's a lefty. He's just got this long. He's a long lefty. I wish he played professional basketball. He'd be probably be one of my favorites there because um, I just like that type of guy. Um, they are their numbers are so similar. They're both hitting 311, uh, 20 and 21 homers between the two, 66 RBIs for Bell, RBI for Bell. Freeman has 61 RBI, 991 on base plus slugging for Freeman is out of this world. Except when you look just above him on the ballot to Josh Bell's. 1.013. Give me Freddie Freeman. I said I was going to go faster here. Second base, Ozzy Albies. Um, delicious piping hot Albies roast beef sandwiches uh, are his favorite snack before a game. Um, Ketel, Ketel Marte, probably mispronouncing that. I have used this guy so many times for Beat the Streak already this year. He is having a fantastic year. And uh, Marte is my pick at second base uh, from the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
Now, third base, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Josh Donaldson. Nolan Arenado, let me just let me just be transparent here. Nolan Arenado to me is the second best baseball player in the world, okay, behind Mike Trout. So again, if I'm going with my heart, it's Nolan Arenado. If I'm going with my head, though, it's easily Nolan Arenado. He's hitting 317. Bryant's hitting 282. Josh Donaldson 255. Nolan Arenado has four more home runs than either of the other two gentlemen, and he has 22 more RBI than Christopher Bryant, who is second among these three guys. Uh, OPS, he le- he's leading these guys in everything by far. Nolan Arenado is the best player in the National League, and I will fight you if you say otherwise. National League shortstops. Javier Baez, um, who was last season's National League MVP, I think, if I remember that right. My uh, memory is bad, but uh, he was definitely a finalist for, for MVP at least. He had just a ridiculous year, and he has not slowed down this season. He has He is leading the three uh, candidates here in home runs. He's leading them in RBI, RBI and he's, uh, he's second. He's very close to Story in OPS. Also hitting 287. Man, this is really, the more I look at this, the tougher it is for me. If you choose Javier Baez or Trevor Story, you are making the right choice, in my opinion. I am going with, I, I, I love this Colorado Rockies team because everybody hits. I want to see the Rockies in there. Um, give me the Rockies. I just picked Trevor Story. I'm thinking about changing it. No, I'm I'm staying Trevor Story. Catcher in the National League. Wilson Contreras, Contreras with the Cubs. Yasmani Grandal, former farmhand of the Cincinnati Reds, now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Brian McCann, former Atlanta Brave, current Atlanta Brave again. Just as far as numbers go, I haven't even considered defense here, and I want to. Normally, when I'm voting for the All-Stars, I look up defensive st- statistics to help me determine when they're, when I'm torn on, on a position. I'm not even looking at that because, first of all, they don't provide that on the ballot. They should. Um, but based on the the traditional numbers, which still isn't enough to really make a good decision. But when you only have 28 hours to do this, and by the way, you only get to vote one time. You fill out one ballot, you're done. Make it count. I am going with... I'm going with Yasmani Grandal. You know that? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going with uh, Yasmani Grandal. Nope, I'm going with Wilson Contreras. Change my mind. Don't like to change my mind. Uh, always go with your gut is what I've been told. I went ahead and changed it. Now, National League outfield, this is actually easy. This is easy for me. Even though you have nine nine players to choose from, you choose three. This is easy for me. Christian Yelich is, boy, I called Nolan Arenado the best player in the National League, didn't I? Christian Yelich is 1A. He was. Yeah, that's that's correct. Christian Yelich was the MVP last year. How stupid of me to forget that. Um, Javi Baez was, was one of the three finalists. Christian Yelich was and the most deserving 
MVP uh, last season. Christian Yelich is having an even better season this year. He has 29 home runs at the halfway point. He is on pace for nearly 60. He's hitting 336 and has 63 runs batted in. That's 126. By the way, I, I bragged about Josh Bell's OPS. Christian Yelich's is 1.159 to lead the entire world. Nope, he is second to Cody Bellinger, who is my second choice. I have Christian Yelich. I have Cody Bellinger. Bellinger has 26 home runs and is tied with Yelich for 63 RBIs, uh, leading the – nope, uh, Bell leads the National League in RBI. Hitting 354 still, though, uh, for the first month, Bellinger was near 400, and he's dropped off. He's dropped all the way off to 354, uh, which is uh, stupid. It's stupid. So, Yelich, Bellinger are easy. Look, I don't care. I love Ronald Acuna Jr. in Atlanta, but guess who I love even more? Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman, center fielder for the Colorado Rockies, is my third choice for the National League uh, outfield. Quickly rehashing, uh, Carlos Santana, American League catcher, American League second base is DJ LeMahieu, third base, Alex Bregman. Uh, shortstop is Jorge Polanco, Gary Sanchez at catcher, Michael Brantley, Eddie Rosario, and Mike Trout are the American League outfield all-Stars, and Hunter Pence is the designated hitter in the National League. I chose Freddie Freeman at first base. Ketel Marte, sorry, Mr. Marte uh, at second base. Nolan Arenado at third. Trevor Story at shortstop. Wilson Contreras at catcher. Cody Bellinger, Charlie Blackman, and Christian Yelich. Holy smokes, look at that outfield. Review and submit. Let's turn it in. My selections, there it is. Uh, my grade, it says I got, uh, too high. It can't give me a grade because it's too good. They're too good of selections. Too good of selections is what it says. Um, and I, it says that, uh, the balloting is broken now because I chose all, I'm the first person to choose all of the correct, uh, all of the correct picks. So, um, I apologize. Uh, I guess voting is done now. It's 11.35 uh, Eastern time on Wednesday night, and they had to shut it down because um, I just won $25 million because that's, the, um, that's also the prize that they give you uh, for, for choosing everyone correctly. Now, all I'm doing now is filling out – I'm not doing that now. Uh, I was going to fill out – you have to fill out this little form about your personal information so that they can sell it to a whole bunch of uh, people so that they can call you all day long um, from numbers that are similar to your phone number but a little bit different because obviously it can't be your phone number that's calling you, but uh, they're similar to your phone number. And then if you answer, it's either going to be nothing and then a hang up in about five seconds or it's going to be something that you have no clue what they're talking about um, it could be anything from, um, it, it's going to be something about your, uh, your auto, um, what you buy, not insurance, uh, but what you buy your, um, when you buy a big purchase, uh, you buy this, it's basically insurance, but it's a, um, 
it's a warranty. Your your auto warranty has expired, by the way. Everyone listening, your auto warranty has expired. You better believe that. Um, so you will be getting a phone call very shortly. Uh, you Probably while you're at work, uh, probably while you're driving home, maybe even in the evening sometime when you're eating dinner or uh, watching a game. You will be getting a call in regard to that, so please make sure you answer. Let's move on to uh, something something exciting. Now, look, we've spent I've spent the last what was what is this 40, 35, 40 minutes, 40, 45 minutes talking baseball. It's time to move on to my personal favorite, NBA basketball. Yes, the finals are over. We spoke about it last week. Chris and I did. Uh, Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors again. Kawhi Leonard might be there. You might get a lot worse uh, if he leaves. <laughs> uh, and then you got to figure something out. I'm sorry if that's the situation. Um, he is leaving his options open, by the way, from what we understand. Uh, it sounds like the Los Angeles Clippers are still possibly the front runner. Um, there are a couple other possibilities with Kawhi. It sounds more and more like uh, staying in Toronto is an option as well. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't with, um, you know, Cleveland's not there anymore. So, because LeBron's not in Cleveland anymore, Milwaukee was the best team in the world, uh, in the regular season. They'll probably be right there again, depending on what happens, uh, with a couple of their guys. But, uh, if they continue the same, uh, the same trend that they did last season, they will be right there. A lot of rumors about the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, a lot of rumors about the Celtics. Kyrie is almost definitely gone. Um, and they're, there are so many different things you're hearing about. Other guys they're looking at. Uh, possibly Kemba Walker. Possibly D'Angelo Russell. Um, to, to fill in. To, I might even just be swapping, basically. Uh, D'Angelo Russell comes to, to Boston. And Kyrie goes to uh, signs with Brooklyn, and it's just an even swap, and then we'll see how uh, that changes those teams. Anyway, a lot of rumors going on about NBA free agency. Officially starts, by the way, on June 30th, which is Sunday. Very, very exciting time. It I think it starts earlier in the day, earlier in the evening, rather than midnight now, uh, which is which is great for me because now I don't have to stay up until two o'clock in the morning for absolutely no reason at all, just to see, uh, where Kyrie Irving is going to sign or where Kevin Durant, who isn't even going to play next year is going to sign or where Clay Thompson, who isn't even going to play next year is signed. By the way, Kevin Durant chose today to decline his player option. So he officially becomes an unrestricted free agent. One of my favorite parts about the offseason, and they changed this last, starting last year, the NBA awards um, used to be handed out at the end of the year during the finals, like a new award each day throughout the finals. That is no longer the case. They have made it into a an award show. Um, I'm mixed. I have mixed feelings. About, I'm not mixed. I'm I'm 100% Caucasian, but I have mixed feelings about um, about award shows and and especially about the NBA award show. 
a lot of it's forced. There are some really bad jokes. Um, there's too much time spent on things other than handing out awards. It took a long time. I recorded it and it stopped. It, it stopped recording like three quarters of the way through. I don't know how you plan, <laughs> just plan everything out by time. Of course, speeches, you can't always predict those, but nobody stands up there and talks for 45 minutes. So you can generally make this a one hour show or even you could make it a half hour show, but that's fine. Shaq was the host, which is fun because he's, he's a fun guy and he's funny. Um, some of the jokes didn't quite land. Uh, probably not his fault. There are writers, I'm sure. Um, but if anybody can deliver a joke, it's probably Shaq. The guy, the guy is very charismatic, and he uh, he's fun to watch on Inside the NBA. He did exchange plenty of barbs with uh, with Chuck, which was a great. Um, but let's get down to what the real reason for having that show is. It needs to be tweaked. It just needs to be tweaked. The real reason, though, for having the show is giving out all of the awards for the NBA season, the 2018-2019 NBA season, on one night at one time. I'm excited to announce that my choice for the MVP, the guy who I wanted to see win, who I thought was most deserving, Giannis Antetokounmpo did win the MVP over James Harden, who's not that he wasn't deserving, not that he wasn't as deserving. Giannis changed his game, got even better, and changed uh, changed the team by making himself a much better defender and rebounder. That was his biggest contribution to improving the Milwaukee Bucks so greatly last year was his his commitment to making himself a better defensive player and a better rebounder. Yes, he is an incredible scorer, which is even more incredible because he can't shoot a lick. He can't shoot the ball at he he can shoot it once in a while. If he has a wide open look and those are the only looks he gets from 3 because people aren't worried about him shooting the 3, he can knock it down. He mostly isn't going to because he's really not a very he, if he shoots at volume, he's not he's going to shoot a very low percentage. So he gets to the rim. He the Greek freak is his nickname, as fitting a nickname as you can have because there's no bigger athletic freak than that guy. He has a 27 foot wingspan. Um, that's not an exaggeration. It's 27 feet. I measured with the tape measure uh, that I bought from Harbor Freight Tools. Um, it's uh, he's just so long. He's he's made himself so good. He's worked so hard. Changed completely. Changed his body since he came into the league. There's you can find all kinds of pictures and videos of him working out in the weight room and that guy gets after it and you can tell it's very easy to see look at a picture of him from his rookie year by the way somehow he has aged uh 30 years in the last five uh because his you look at a picture from his rookie year he looks like he is four years old and he looks right now like he is 27 um Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP. Coach Mike Budenholzer had as much to do with Giannis's um, 
commitment to those things, to the rebounding, to the defense, and to the entire team changing their philosophy and their commitment to the defensive end and to rebounding. Um, Mike Budenholzer was the orchestrator, was the manager of that uh, team, of that very quick rise to uh, having the very best record in the – I said very best record. That was weird. Um, in the uh, regular season, unfortunately, a an early exit for them, the playoffs. But Mike Budenholzer was coach of the year, NBA coach of the year, very deserving, um, very modest in his, uh, in his um, speech as well. Um, sixth man of the year needs to be changed. The name of the award needs to be changed to the Lou Williams sixth man of the year award because he won it for the third time. Lou Williams comes off the bench, averages 20, about 24, I think a game, 23, 24 a game can give you 50. He can, if you, if you tell him, I need 50 out of you tonight, Lou, he's scoring 50. I don't know how many shots it's going to take him. It might take him 50 shots. He's giving you 50, though. That guy can score with a, with anybody. I mean, you talk, you can put Lou Williams right there with Kevin Durant, with LeBron James, with those guys. Is just as far as pure scoring, put him up there. Lou Williams is a scorer, makes him the sixth man of the year for the third time. Rookie of the year. Basically, it was a two-man race. Luka Doncic, Trey Young. Luka Doncic is your 2019 NBA Rookie of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, back-to-backs for Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, center for the uh, Utah Jazz, will next year be playing with a new point guard in Mike Conley. That's going to be exciting for the Utah Jazz. If you're a Utah Jazz fan, I only know one of them. Um, But congratulations to you for uh, Rudy Gobert having the Defensive Player of the Year and a brand-new point guard who is an all-around great guy as well. Most Improved... Pascal Siakam. Siakam, I said Siakam and then I said Siakam, so apparently it's pronounced two different ways. Uh, But Pascal Siakam, um, just terrific in the regular season, better in the postseason, um, had a couple of really good games in the NBA Finals. There were a couple times when when Kawhi Leonard was was experienced the, the leg injury, um, in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, he was really hobbling a few games there. Siakam stepped up, became their best player on a couple of nights and when they really needed it, and uh, was, was very, very instrumental. The second or third most instrumental player to winning that championship on that team. So most improved, Pascal Siakam. The, uh, my two favorite parts of the program that they put on were the next two awards, which were not player awards, um, but they were, um, I'm, I'm a very, um, uh, w- what's the word, Ret- not retro, but uh, um, great time to forget that word, uh, Sager, <laughs> Sager Strong, the Sager Strong Award, all right, named after Craig Sager, battled cancer for many years, uh, known for his, his, uh, outlandish style uh for his suits and and what he wore long time reporter for tnt uh passed away last season award named after him for uh perseverance inspiration those kind of things robin roberts was the winner of that uh of the sager strong award 
just the 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 story that they showed her story from battling battling breast cancer surviving that overcoming that and then because of the treatment she was getting for cancer um developed a a bone disease that that could only be cured by a bone marrow transplant a successful bone marrow transplant which she was able to find a match in her sister her older sister got the bone marrow transplant is healthy again um she has been a media legend for many 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 years was a sports center anchor uh, worked at espn for a long time did uh sideline reporting um has been the Good Morning America host for a long time, I believe. Um, outside of sports, I'm not exactly 100% sure what she's done, but I know Good Morning America. I mean, she's she's the cream of the crop as far as professional broadcasters go. And uh, she she won the Sager Strong Award for, as I said, perseverance, inspiration, uh, all those fun, you know, heart-wrenching things. The Lifetime Achievement Award, boy, oh boy. It was, just to get right to it, it was Magic and Bird. It wasn't Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. It was Magic and Bird. And you just say those two together most of the time. They received the award together because since 1979, they have been linked. They played against each other in the national championship game in college in 79. They both entered the uh, NBA the next season. Bird was rookie of the year. Magic won an NBA championship his rookie year. They won between the two of them and their and their respective teams. They won eight championships in nine years in the 80s. They won seven MVPs in eight years, I believe, between the two of them. Um, not seven MVPs. That's too many, right? Five five out of six years, something like that. Um, Bird is one of three players, I believe it is, to win three consecutive MVPs. I think it was 84, 85, 86. Um, and I believe Wilt and Kareem, maybe the other ones, probably, probably Jordan and Kareem, Wilt and Kareem, Jordan and Kareem. <laughs> Good basketball players. <laughs> All good basketball players, we'll say. Uh, Magic and Bird, I was just so excited because, of course, they showed a highlight, a, 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 just a clip of basically their uh, their two careers, how they coincided, um, and highlights, which I can watch. I've watched hours of Larry Bird highlights total in my life uh, and Magic Johnson highlights, honestly, too. Um, but Larry is is Larry and Michael are my two favorite players ever. So I've watched so much Larry Bird and. Honestly, when I first started getting into Larry Bird, I wasn't a Magic Johnson fan because I developed this quick dislike for the Lakers of the 80s because I developed such a quick like of the Celtics of the 80s. Um, but as I got older, as I watched more, there's you just cannot be a fan of basketball and not appreciate what the Los Angeles Lakers did in the 1980s and the the kind of player that magic johnson was the highlights i can watch met passing passing is my favorite part of basketball so i can watch i don't ha i can watch six hours straight 
of basketball highlights, and I don't have to watch one dunk. I don't have to watch one three-pointer. I can watch six hours straight of the best passes, the best assists ever or whatever. If you put together a highlight tape for six hours long, that's the only one that I will watch all the way through. Those two, there were there were not two better better passers. There were a couple guys who might have been as good. Pete Maravich, uh, Steve Nash, probably, um, John Stockton, Jason Kidd. It's a short list, but there are other guys who are way, way up there as far as best passers to ever play the game. Magic and Bird are at the top. So much fun to watch highlights of those guys. Um, They only played until I was about 10 years old, so I didn't get to really watch them a lot of their prime, or at least I didn't get to pay attention and know what was going on very much. But like I said, I watched so much. So I loved, loved, loved the Lifetime Achievement Award for Magic and Bird. Those were your NBA awards. Um, again, free agency, NBA free agency is the most fun offseason of any sport, in my opinion, and that's a very biased opinion. But I think a lot of people, you you go to professional sports broadcasters there are a million shows on espn throughout the day radio and television most of those people who cover all sports are going to i promise you are going to pick the nba as far as most fun off season and most fun free agency period how much fun a few years ago was watching through twitter of all places and that's NBA Twitter is is incredible too. If you're if you're that into basketball, if you're that into the NBA and you're on Twitter, you know it's NBA Twitter is so much fun throughout the entire season. May during the season, maybe not even as fun as what happened a few years ago when the Dallas Mavericks were wooing DeAndre Jordan the first time. Um he met with Mark Cuban basically handshake agreement to go to the Mavericks emergency uh, visit from, from JJ Redick, from, uh, from Chris Paul, from his teammates, Blake Griffin in uh, Los Angeles at the time, all went to his house, drove to his house. JJ Redick told the story on his podcast, drove, just told his wife, I have to go. DeAndre Jordan is about to sign with the Dallas Mavericks. We're all going there to stop him, to talk him out of it. They, The story is that they locked him in his house, blocked the door so he couldn't go anywhere, and stayed there until they talked him into re-signing with the Clippers. That is teammate love. That was so much fun to follow on Twitter and so much fun to read about. I wasn't following it live on Twitter, I'll be honest with you, but going back and looking at all the tweets from all the guys, it was in code. It wasn't, people weren't, J.J. Redick wasn't tweeting, oh man, I have to go uh, try to get DeAndre Jordan. No, it was somebody somebody um, tweeted a picture of an airplane. That meant they were flying to DeAndre Jordan's house. I think it was Blake Griffin. Somebody tweeted an airplane meaning they were flying to DeAndre Jordan's house. 
guys were just tweeting uh, pictures and and just emojis <laughs> or what were the emojis then? I don't know. It was just so much fun. That's coming up again. Maybe not that exactly, but there are so many big names that are becoming free agents this season, this offseason. We are going to find out who ends up where. It feels like every single year anymore, teams, most teams look so different from the previous year. The NBA champions this year are probably going to look different. If Kawhi Leonard leaves, they're going to look way different. The Golden State Warriors are guaranteed to look way different next year. They've dominated the league for five years. They're going to look way different next year. People all year were talking about this is the year. This is it after this year. KD's going to leave. Clay can possibly leave. Um, DeMarcus Cousins signed a one-year deal. All of these things, it what happens with those guys doesn't even matter now because even if they chose to re-sign, Kevin Durant's not playing next year. Uh, ruptured Achilles. Clay Thompson isn't going to be able to play at least most of the year next year. Uh, torn ACL, which happened in games five and six in the finals. DeMarcus Cousins likely isn't. Now, if both of those guys leave, DeMarcus Cousins, they might try to sign DeMarcus Cousins to a, I'm still not sure he's going to get a max contract now. He really still didn't look real good. He came back at the end of the season, the end of the regular season last season, started to play very limited minutes, um, had a game where um, he was forced to play more minutes after Durant and um, their big guy, uh, their their big guy, number five, big uh, guy that reminds me, <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, what's his name? DeMarcus Cousins may or may not resign. It's going to depend a lot on uh, whether Durant and Clay both leave. It sounds like Clay Tom- Kevin Durant is almost guaranteed to leave now, um, almost guaranteed to leave because he declined his option. He declined his player option. So he officially does become a an unrestricted free agent. Clay Thompson, I feel like, is pretty likely. He's open to, to taking um, – to taking meetings and that might happen that might happen excuse me Sunday evening I think he's going to resign I hope he resigns because I think Golden State can still get a, a few more years out of that same type of team that they've had for the last five years that have been in the finals each of the last five years if you keep Clay, if you keep Steph, if you keep Draymond, if you keep guys like Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and and the veteran guys who have come in off the bench and just played really, really well, I think you can maintain that for a few more years. Andrew Bogut, uh, for the for the first two or three years and then he left and then he just it was re-signed at the end of this season and played a few minutes in the finals um the guys like that the veteran guys that know how to win have a championship pedigree at this point and the two best shooters in the entire world that offense we know how fun the offense is to watch you basically have draymond green really is kind of your point guard and those two guys are running running the baseline, running off screens constantly, finding each other, 
Um, I still think they can preserve that for a few more years. One more big thing in free agency that has come out in the last day or two that boggles my mind is the possibility that the Houston Rockets are looking for a sign-and-trade to acquire Jimmy Butler. This sign-and-trade is going to require, require, not acquire, they're trying to acquire Jimmy Butler. This is going to require trading Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, the guys that are... You don't think, because you think of James Harden and you think of Chris Paul, and we just found out a week ago that they can't stand each other, and they've, especially Chris Paul, has had trouble with getting along with teammates and coaches almost everywhere he's been, certainly in L.A., now in Houston. Can't get along with James Harden. James Harden seems like a guy that's kind of the same way. He he gets annoyed a lot of times when things aren't going well, you can see him in huddles during timeouts, getting after guys, going after guys. Um, when he's unhappy, things aren't going the way he wants them to. I'm not sure he's the greatest communicator. With the issues that we've heard about between those two, bringing on Jimmy Butler, who is also a guy who has developed a reputation in the league of getting into spats with teammates, with coaches, being uh, being disgruntled about how his team is being run, how the offense is being run, his roles, how his teammates, the efforts his teammates are putting in. This guy has been unhappy the last, really every place he's been. It didn't end well in Chicago. It didn't end well in Minnesota. And it took about two or three weeks for him to have an issue uh, during a film session with Brett Brown about the offense and the way it was the way it was being run and his role in it. Now he ended up being really their number one option in the playoffs, but if he's not and he's not happy, he can hurt your locker room. A locker room that sounds like it's already really in bad shape. You're going to bring another guy in. First of all, you're going to give up a center who has become, thanks to James Harden, has become one of the best centers in the league in Clint Capella, a guy who finishes at the rim as well as anybody, uh, catching lobs, who is a rim protector, who blocks shots, plays defense, rebounds the ball. That's really important to what you're doing there. You can concentrate on on the Mike D'Antoni style of offense and scoring 115 points a game and winning games by outscoring your opponents and winning, you know, winning 60 games, winning 55 games in the regular season. That hasn't worked in the playoffs. They've reached the conference finals a few times. Great. They have never gotten over the top. If you add another guy, now Jimmy Butler, don't get me wrong, very good defender, one of the better defenders in the league. Chris Paul, pretty good defender, pretty good perimeter defender. Clint Capella, very good defender. P.J. Tucker, one of the best defenders in the league. You have to hold on to those guys. You get rid of those guys and you bring in Jimmy, you get rid of two or three of your best defenders and you bring in Jimmy Butler, he can give you a little defense. He's not going to make up what you're losing. 
He's not going to make up what you're losing on the off on the defensive end. He can help you offensively, but how is he how is he going to fit in to the what Chris Paul is already upset about, the James Harden offense, where it starts with him and ends with him almost every time. You have to have you just have to surround him with shooters. And Jimmy Butler can shoot it, but he's not a three-point shooter. He's a guy that's going to try to that's going to catch the ball and try to get his own shot most of the time. Chris Paul is used to bringing up the ball and and running the starting the offense and dictating where players go, how players cut. He he dictates. He's the floor general. In his entire career, basically until he got to Houston, when the ball is in James Harden's hands 80% of the time. And he's got to figure out how to change his game around that. Jimmy Butler will have to figure out how to change his game to fit into that, or he will catch the ball, go try to score, and James Harden is going to end up, and if he doesn't score, James Harden's upset. Chris Paul's upset. Everybody's at each other's throats. This is the only way I see it going down. I, I, I'm not sure I see it going any other way, and I think it's a huge mistake if the Rockets make this move, if they truly are going to have to give up what uh, everybody's saying they're going to have to give up. Sunday, June 30th, NBA for Agency starts. Very excited. One last quick thing before we go. Two very quick last things before we go. I'm not sure if anybody's still, uh, maybe. Hey, Jen Schmidt, holler, holler to Jen Schmidt. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining. She said ooh about something. She said ooh. I don't know what that was. I'm gonna find out later. That's gonna be fun for me. Um, Dan Schmidt was on. Uh, Alex Cole, nice to see you back, buddy. Uh, Margaret Edwards, love Margaret Edwards, Sarah Walrab, uh, Mike Foster. Lots of people did join today. Thank you for joining. Um, I'm sorry we were without Chris, who is 90% of the show. If you like the show, he is 99.9% of the reason why. He's 99.9% of the reason I like doing the show. Um, so I'm sorry we, we didn't get Chris on. He will be back next week, back from vacation. The man is enjoying his off time very well deserved. Very quickly, before we go, we have been posting mostly on the Nosebleeds Facebook page. Facebook has made it very difficult for us to do this uh, because the poll option is not available on the app anymore. What you have to do, though, from what I found, is delete the app and re-download it. I have now done that about 12 times to try to get a poll up on the on the Nosebleeds Sports Podcast Facebook page. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've had to post the poll from my personal page a few times. Sometimes it allows me to do it on my personal page. Sometimes it doesn't. Either way, we're going to get them up. If it's posted on my page, it's shared on the Nosebleeds. So continue to jump on the Nosebleeds Facebook page. You know where it is if you're watching this live right now. We are doing the greatest sports posters of all time. This is like the preliminary round, okay? We started with 32, so 16 posts. We have about five more, I think, to go before we have our 16 that we will then seed, officially seed between Chris and I, and then have our 
true tournament based on the 16 that you choose, that you people that are listening to this, you people, you people are listening to this have chosen. It's up to you. So far, we've had, a, would say, one or two upsets. Um, but for the most part, we have had uh, who I thought would probably win <laughs> each each poll um, have won. I'm not going to go through every single one, but right now, if you jump on there, may have expired actually by now. Um, nope, it hasn't because I made a mistake. These are only being posted for 24 hours at a time, but you have to actually manually change them because they're, they default to one week. The poll defaults to one week. So if I don't change it, if I forget to change it, which is the second time I've done that, maybe third time, um, then you have an entire week to vote. No big deal, whatever. Uh, but most of these, the intent is to have them posted for 24 hours so that we can continue to get these up and, and get through them so that we can really start the the final 16 that will be our greatest sports posters of all time tournament. So right now, jump on. You have the next generation Griffey poster, the Ken Griffey Sr., Ken Griffey Jr. When Griffey Jr. first came up, uh, Griffey Sr. was still with the Reds. They're standing at in front of their lockers, uh, which are side by side. I don't know how they play for two different teams, and they have lockers side by side in the same locker room. Uh, but if you're the Griffies, I guess you can pull that off. Ken Griffey Sr. in his Reds uniform in front of his Reds locker. Ken Griffey Jr. in his Seattle Mariners uniform in some sort of time warp, apparently, uh, where he is also in the Reds or Mariners locker room with his dad, who is also in the Reds or Mariners locker room in front of their respective lockers. That was way too long to describe a poster that you can't see right now. Get on the Nosebleeds Facebook page and you'll see it. Either choose that one or choose the Silent Assassin, Dale Ellis. If you don't know who Dale Ellis is, please Google Dale Ellis. Please YouTube, actually, Dale Ellis and watch some Dale Ellis highlights. Player from the 80s and 90s, um, played in Seattle, sharpshooter. Do yourself a favor and watch some old NBA, for goodness sake. Take a page out of the old Adam Schmitter book. And uh, that was terrible. And uh, and watch some and spend too much time and waste a lot of your life watching old basketball videos that really aren't doing anything to make you a better person. Please do that. Next up, it will be posted before I go to bed tonight, which is very, very soon. Moses versus Tony Gwynn's suit. That, those are the names of the posters as I am referring to them. Moses is Moses Malone, one of the most underrated basketball players ever. Um, he is holding a staff. The, the Some sort of sea is parted or a basketball court, I think, is parted, uh, as is from the uh, Bible story of Moses, uh, the Bible uh, good read. Good read that book. Um, if you uh, if you haven't seen the Bible, Google the Bible, um, YouTube the Bible. No idea what's going to come up, 
YouTube the Bible. Why not? Moses, a <laughs> pretty cool poster from the 80s versus um, the one that I just said and forgot already because it is 12-15. Tony Gwynn, how did I forget that? He's my favorite non-red baseball player ever. This Tony Gwynn poster, God, I love these. Po- I don't. I have no idea which one I'm going to vote on. This Tony Gwynn poster, he's in a suit with a hat on. This is young Tony Gwynn now. Young, slim Tony Gwynn when he stole some bases, when he's won some gold gloves in the outfield. In a really nice suit, nice dress hat, in front of his locker, just holding a bat by the barrel, just, just basically saying, I'm the coolest baseball player because I can hit 330 every year. I can put the ball anywhere I want at any time. And look how good I look in a suit standing in front of my locker. Go on there. Vote for those. We have, like I said, about five more, four or five more after that. Um, They're going to be up posting a new one every single day. Get on every day. Otherwise, they're up for 24 hours. You're going to miss them. Get your chance to vote on which one you think is the better poster, who you think should move on to the next round, to the 16 posters that we will then seed and make our next Nosebleeds tournament. Very last thing, I'm not sure if he's on live. He usually is. Not sure if he's on live right now. Our guy, very best friend of the Nosebleeds Sports Podcast, Tyler Roop host of the cheap seats on UCLA radio. They're on hiatus right now because it is a university driven uh, operated radio station and it is the summer. That's what happens. School's out. School's out in the summer. So is, uh, so is the cheap seats temporarily, but please once school starts back in UCLA radio on Wednesday evenings, shortly before this podcast, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. Check Tyler out. Really, really good. Better than this podcast, if you ask me. (laughs) Um, Anyway, 22nd birthday. Happy birthday to Tyler. Congratulations on your birthday. I don't, why would I say congratulations on your birthday? Why wouldn't I just say happy birthday? Happy birthday. 22 years old. Um, I did tell him he was old today. That's weird coming from me. Um, but anyway, happy birthday, Tyler. Listen, thank you everybody for joining. For those of you who, who stuck around at least for a little bit, um, most of you, if you had any sense about you, you joined, you saw only me on here. You did something a lot better with your time. If you stuck with me for even a couple minutes, gosh, bless you. Gosh, bless you. Um, Chris again, will be back next week for Chris Witt for the absent Chris Witt, for engineer, producer, whatever title you want to give him. Apple picker, probably at some point. Um, Probably uh, uh, shopper, certainly shops. (laughs) Joe Schmidt. uh, I think I'm I'm just going to refer to him as shopper Joe Schmidt from now on, probably forever. Uh, Shopper Joe Schmidt for joining me tonight and making sure everything works because I'm an idiot uh, and he knows what he's doing. So 
thank you to everybody who joined again. Please join us every single week starting next week again, Wednesday, approximately 1030 live on Facebook. And then the very next morning and beyond on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can find, almost everywhere you can find podcasts. Thank you very much for joining and we will see you next week.